Hey guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with an interview with Kieran Kelly. He's the uh, founder CEO of Ocean Integrity and uh, a group that is addressing the problem of plastics in the oceans. Um, and he's talking from uh, Indonesia. So uh, Kieran, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Yeah, not at all. Please, pleased to meet you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved around this uh, issue of plastics and um, kind of cleaning up the mess? Um, well, my background, I originated, I guess, like in Bourne in the southeast coast of Ireland, a little fishing village called Helvig. Helvig was a, uh, a Viking settlement. And the people there, I guess, they, they worked on the ocean for... But hundreds of years. My own family, of course, that's what they did as far back as I can go over uh, five generations. Um, they were all uh, commercial fishermen. They had worked um, all over the North Atlantic and worked uh, um, in the on the Grand Banks. I guess come back to the same era as the as the Portuguese. Um, Helvig that Helvig that is in County Waterford, and of course it was uh, rich in maritime history and um, so I emigrated to the United States in the in the 90s late 90s um, opened up my first commercial fishing company shortly after arriving in the US and I harvested seafood on the east and west coast of the United States including the Gulf down through Central South America um, all around the North Atlantic um, over off of uh, in the North Sea and off the west coast of Africa um, <clears throat> That's what I did. That was my day job. Um, some years back, <clears throat> sorry, I started to get really worried about the, the problem, the health of our ocean. I started worried about what people like me were actually doing. Again, by harvesting seafood, the damage we were actually doing. Again, like, you know, it was no longer sustainable. And of course, every time you, I spoke out about it, I was getting chastised from the industry that I truly love, an industry I grew up in and that my family are still involved in. Um, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back for me was fishing uh, all over the world, but no matter where I went, we'd see lots and lots of plastic. But in the end, fishing in the Bering Sea in the winter months, all the way north, right up in the Arctic Circle, for the most part, areas we'd never worked before. And because of climate change and melting ice caps, we were in virgin grounds, and to see plastic uh, on the ocean floor shocked me. Again, mm. to see so much of it. Plastic that came from all over Asia. Uh, again, you could tell by the packaging and Russia. And for so much of it to end up in these remote waters uh, shocked me. I made a conscious decision uh, at that stage to, um, to rethink, I guess, everything I did in life. And I became an environmentalist. I started looking at ways to plastic waste, um, not just regular plastic, but ocean plastic as well. I was looking at the environmental world and started looking at the inaction, I guess, uh, within that and the amount of money that was being spent by environmental organizations. And it shocked me. The greenwashing, everything else that was going on in the environmental space, of course, is shocking. Um, when I got involved in the environmental world, I taught everybody in the space were 
all involved in this for one reason, and that was to save our ocean, to try and remove plastic waste and to become one team. And we'd all work together to try and for the better good of our, our planet. But of course, that wasn't the case. Um, the biggest problem I see in this space now in the ocean cleanup to remove plastic waste is greenwashing. The greenwashing that's gone on in the environmental spaces, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And it's increasing. It's increasing on a daily basis. I constantly speak out about it on LinkedIn and Facebook and, and the likes. And of course, you're not going to make a lot of friends within the environmental movement if you start calling them out. But unfortunately, like you know, that's where we are, I guess. What um, in what year did you kind of come to this revelation in terms of um, moving to address the the plastics? Like, what year was that? That was in uh, 2000. And... Uh, 15 I started looking at ways to again to get away from the industry yeah. and looking at get some technology together to start uh, retrieving I guess like you know their microplastics and, and larger uh, larger plastics there from the ocean stopping in the rivers and the likes hmm. uh, so I guess that was the start of my uh, my change I guess in course I guess um, yeah about 2015-2016 so with what you do, like, so you mentioned plastic on the ocean floor. Uh, something that struck me was normally just in my, my knowledge is everybody's aware of the ocean that's floating. But what you're talking about is excessive plastic throughout the depths of the ocean, um, whether it's floating on the top, in the middle, on the bottom, resting on the bottom. Is that right? Yeah. Well, let me let me explain something there to your listeners. Uh, this floating island of plastic that you just referred to yeah. really doesn't exist. Really? Um, but that's that. That's again. That is, uh, you know, really good marketing by by people and individuals and so on and so forth. Um, there is lots and lots of microplastics in the ocean, inside the jars around the world. The so-called Great Pacific Garbage Patch um, has lots of microplastics, but actually large amounts of plastic, actually very, very little. Um, the, the plastic itself, when it, when it comes down these rivers around the world, I'll just speak, I guess, about Indonesia, I guess, first of all. We, we collect plastic here on an industrial scale. Once plastic runs down these rivers, of course, multiple things happens. The vast majority of plastic, you go on, you Google, like, you know, there, where is all this ocean plastic? Where did it go to? And again, like, you know, there, there were people asking this question for years, but it was very evident to people like myself, plastic was all on the ocean floor. Hmm. Uh, plastic itself, like once it drifts uh, inside the ocean, very, very quickly, it'll get a coat of, of algae, it will actually grow on the plastic. And shortly after that, like, you know, there are some barnacles. The barnacles themselves will actually force that plastic to sink to the ocean floor. Gotcha. Once that happens, corals and everything else, that will remain on the ocean floor. As that breaks up on the ocean floor, the plastic, small little particles of plastic that's not encased in, in like, corals and stuff, uh, so microplastics can float back to the surface again. These, these pieces of microplastic, 
our nanoplastics are too small to uh, sustain, I guess, like any any uh, barnacles or whatever else. So a lot of these these plastics they actually stay buoyant, and they float they float in the surface of the water or or a short distance under that. Um, the the ocean floor just to the north to where I'm speaking from me tonight has up to has up to seven and a half meters of plastic on the ocean floor. Wow, that's higher for average house. That's wow. the plastic. Target. the 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 great pacific garbage patch and and the companies the company putting around a a, a karen you okay a boom on the surface trying to retrieve plastic is counterproductive and here's why in their last yeah can you hear me yeah i lost yeah, you for you a me? couple of seconds there yeah okay sorry the, uh, the plastic um, in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, as it's called, um, again, like you know, there is for the most part, it's all microplastic. Mm. Uh, ocean clean works in that area, and of course, they pull a little bit of plastic from it. But the amount of plastic they pull from it, again, there's multiple problems. One of the problems is they, they're burning up to 30,000 liters of fuel a day doing it. Right. The amount of plastic that they're actually retrieving is uh, 11 to 12 kilos of plastic a, an hour. Mm. Uh, so if you look at that, like, you know, the amount of plastic, of course, is very, very little. Last year, they recorded something like 42 tons of plastic. They actually retrieved 42 tons of plastic with two indigenous fishermen with a canoe. In this part of the world, you could pull 42 tons of plastic uh, in a year with two, two indigenous fishermen. Um, again, like, you know, there with, with nearly a zero carbon footprint compared to the carbon footprint of the plant that's been collected. In the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, again, it needs to be cleaned up, but it needs to be cleaned up, I guess, to tackle the problems like, you know, surrounding microplastics. The mesh size they're putting through the water is a four to five inch uh, mesh size, of course, and which is 100 to 125 millimeter. The definition of a microplastics is a piece of plastic lesser in size than five millimeters. So all the microplastics that's in there is going straight through that net. It's not stopping any of them. So, so is, again, there, is there a way to actually catch the microplastics then? Yeah, there is. Uh, we, we actually have uh, technology, again, ourselves that we put together. We got a, a device called MPED that we got patented, worked and developed and, uh, and um, got it built actually in Denmark. Um, we're actually putting that in the water in the Java Sea. Um, there over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're doing that there with the Indonesian government to start retrieving the the microplastics and the plastics as a whole uh, here. Again, the, the sheer volume of plastic here is the second worst polluted country in the world. Um, and again, it's shocking like when you see the plastic where it's coming from. We have collected plastic here from Canada, United States, Germany, Norway, uh, UK, Ireland, uh, countries Spain, France, all over the place. Plastic that didn't drift here. Plastic that was exported here for years. Mm -hmm. Again, once the plastic got here, of course, like there was uh, dubious companies that had, again, like you know, that put these uh, put these programs together. Say they destated the art recycling facilities. Of course, they didn't exist. That plastic was exported. Most of our leaders in Western countries knew it didn't exist, and of course, it was out of sight, out of mind. It's like hiring someone like you know to clean your house, and they sweep all the dirt under the rug. That's what we did. Our leaders knew this was happening. So this plastic was sent over here. After it was sent here, it was dumped. That plastic now is on the ocean floor here. There's millions of tons of plastic here. 
again, like, you know, that's the plastic that needs to be retrieved. That plastic is breaking down now into a microplastics. And that microplastics, of course, is like a tick soup inside the water, which is highly toxic. You hear all kinds of references there on the, on the internet. By 2050, there'd be more plastic in the ocean than fish. Well, that happened here years ago. Here, there is no marine life. There's nothing but the indigenous fishermen that we have collecting plastic, we supply them nets and they're all the likes to drag this plastic on the ocean floor. Going back to my roots, going back to what I did catching fish. Mm-hmm. And we set these little guys up doing the very same thing now with plastic. They can pull these nets along the ocean floor and they can get they can get one, two, three thousand pounds of plastic in a day with a small, tiny little boat. And this one or two or three thousand pounds of plastic, they won't see a half a pound of fish. Again, like, you know, I see a pound of fish for two or three or four or 500 pounds of plastic. Um, there's no fish here. Marine life have been pushed further offshore because of the pollution. The problems with that, the, the plastic itself, like, you know, there is so toxic now, it's killing the plankton that's inside the ocean. Again, you know, people, a lot of people don't seem to realize it. We can plant all the trees we like. We can turn around, we can go to complete solar wind in the morning. It's not going to move the needle 1%. If we don't clean our ocean, we're in serious trouble. The lungs of our ocean, or the lungs of our planets are our ocean, not our rainforest. Mm. The, again, the rainforest, of course, are, but the biggest, biggest part for the survival of our planet is a healthy ocean. If we lose the plankton at the rate we're losing it right now, we're finished. We're absolutely and utterly finished. That's not scare morning. Yeah. Again, their scientific backing, scientific design backs that. So we have to remove plastic. We have to be real about it. We have to collect it in a way that makes sense. Again, like that's not going to bankrupt corporations or whoever that's trying to help. Give them something that actually works. And if we can do that, we can fix the problem. But again, like, you know, we have to be real about it. We have to stop the greenwashing. We have corporations like, you know, corporations want to help. They want to do the right thing. They want to step forward and help in saving our planet. At the end of the day, we all have families. We all want to see a future for our kids. We have to change the course we're on. If we don't do that, again, like we're in serious trouble. So it's all about changing not just the language, but the actions that can actually do something substantive to affect a change. How much... How so? You mentioned this uh, this one uh, development to address the microplastics on a monetary scale. Like, what would it take, and in terms of investing, corporations to invest in order to try to address this problem over 10, 20 years? Because obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, it's not a right. matter of just dealing with it. Yeah, and moving I- on. Yeah, I, I, I come from the private sector. So again, like, you know, there we look at things in a very, very, very different way. We're pro-business without compromise. And what I mean by that, like, you know, there we're all about solutions, real solutions, like, you know, there for corporations. Again, doing it in a way that doesn't break the bank. Uh, corporations, like, you know, have invested money in, in many different environmental companies. Um, again, trying to address this problem. And what they get out of it, of course, is, is virtually nothing. You're talking about companies are blowing, are blowing from four to $5,000 a ton to remove plastic from the ocean, up to two to two and a half million dollars to put a ton of plastic from the ocean. Again, like, you know, none of those numbers are going to work. 
again, you know, the sheer volume of plastic that's in the ocean and the volume of plastic we have to we have to remove. Again, it's not it's not going to do that. Uh, with with the likes of with the likes of plastic, the way we uh, the way we pay our bills. And again, I want to give a again about my background. Right, I have not taken as much as five cents for my living expenses for any form of expenses for what I do. I do this to give something back to the ocean. I have not taken a salary. I don't take expenses. I take absolutely nothing since this since we put this company together. Not a penny. And again, like you know, most of the directors in, in the company are in the same boat. Again, we do it for one reason and one reason only. Again, it's to save our ocean. And that's what we pride ourselves on. So looking at that, like you know, there we, we look at the, the collection costs. What we do is we collect plastic, and once we collect plastic, or again, these, these fishermen that are pulling this plastic, like you know, with these nets, um, a couple of things happen on the on the environmental side of that. By them collecting plastic. Again, like, you know, they're uh, able to clean the ocean up. As they clean the ocean up, we hope in time that the fish that were pushed further offshore, that they'll actually come back and the waters will start to get somewhat healthier again. Uh, so that's, that's on the environmental side. But on the social side of that, what we do, like, you know, there are these, these fishermen, we give, they get a real living wage. Fishermen that would earn, like, you know, they're, um, say, on the east coast of India or Indonesia, that they're earning 60 to $70 a month that they earn. That's it, three dollars a day for the most part. Sometimes a lot less than that that they can actually earn. So where they can earn three dollars a day, up to say sixty to seventy dollars a month, where they can make four hundred to five hundred dollars a month by collecting plastic. So there's the E part of it, or, or this, this, the S part of it. On the on the uh, on the G side of it, just to close off the whole ESG. Again, like you know, there we collect it. Once the once the plastic is collected, the plastic again. The fisherman is taking a photograph of the plastic. That information, what we get then, like we get the collector's name, we get his whole family structure, everything that's associated with that. The next thing that we get, like, you know, we get the latitude, the longitude. So we get the position, we get the date, we get the time, we get all the information about this plastic plus the photograph of the plastic. That is sent to ourselves, it is sent to the independent auditing companies, and it's sent to a blockchain. So all this data is collected at that stage. Once, once we get the plastic from there into, into one of our warehouses, the plastic is separated. Again, separate and different, different bundles. Plastic that is possible to recycle, of course, and plastic that we can't recycle that easy. So different points. So it's weighed, and then we know what plastic we have. We know the weight of the plastic. We know everything else after that. We try and get the plastic then that is recyclable. We try and get that back into the supply chain. Again, like, you know, to, that companies can use plastic in their, uh, in, in their products or whatever. The other plastic, what we do with it, like, it goes for different things. It goes to turn into aggregate. Uh, where we're making blocks and paving slabs and so on and so forth, replacing sand and stuff by using some plastic in that, using, again, blocks that are made for construction for houses and so on and so forth. We, we partnered with Penn State University there in the United States, and they're looking at multiple ways, again, where we can use this plastic, and we're hoping to be able to, re to introduce it into the United States, again, for and Europe, uh, for construction uh, projects and so on and so forth, where someone could build a house. How cool would it be? You could build the house and use 10 or 15 or 20 ton of plastic that you can actually neutralize from the ocean and actually use it inside in that. Um, so like we're looking at multiple ways to do it. And we do that, we do, we do that, we do that for around $500 a ton. Uh, that's where we were that. And we do multiple things with that. Not alone like, you know, that the companies collect that plastic, but we neutralize companies' plastic footprint with that. So we started tokenizing plastic. We work with an American blockchain 
an amazing company called Devio, D-E-V-V-I-O. Um, they're, they're an amazing bunch of guys. Uh, you hear people like Forbes and everyone else like, you know, praising them the whole time. We had a, we had a relationship with Devio with several years now, and uh, we partnered with them a little over, little little under a year ago, I guess. Um, so anyway, really, really exciting company. So we collect all this data, we upload the data, then like, you know, they're on the blockchain, and we figure out ways to do it. So we say we gauge a company, a company say has has a hundred ton of a plastic footprint. Say they're using a hundred ton of plastic a year, whatever it is, we we audit what their plastic footprint is. So what we do is we collect 110 tons of plastic from the ocean. So the company then becomes plastic neutral by removing plastic from the ocean. We have companies now that are coming on board now that are making plastic products, right? Again, for companies like uh, Target and Walmart and Sears and so on and so forth, Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, so we have we have companies that are coming on board there right now. And what we do again is we neutralize our plastic. We give them a really good, solid environmental message that they're actually, by using plastic, again, on their products, they're actually neutralizing problem plastic in the ocean. At the end of the day, plastic is not the problem here. We're the problem. Again, like, you know, our lack of waste management on the backside of it that's creating this monster. To say, like, you know, that we must, we're going to get rid of plastic in the morning and, you know, plastic is bad and we have to come completely get rid of it. That's ludicrous, even for people to speak like that or even think like that. We can't get rid of plastic overnight. We need to reduce it. We need to figure out ways to recycle it. And we need to figure out alternatives, long-term alternatives. But, of course, we're not there yet. But we, we have to figure this out. Again, like, you know, there I see in the environmental space, companies constantly, you see these articles, Coca-Cola, number one polluter in the world. Again, I find that absolutely ludicrous. Coca-Cola are not the number one polluters in the world. With the last, with the last three years, and especially with the last three years, because I remember reading an article, uh, just saying that Coca-Cola are, are the number one polluters of plastic in our ocean. And I said to my guys, I said, hey, when last did you see a Coca-Cola bottle? And this was in multiple countries. We operate in 16 countries at the moment. So I said to the guys, I said, the next time you see a Coca-Cola bottle that you come across one, I said, can you call me? It's been three years ago. We still haven't seen one. Again, Coca-Cola, don't, we don't, we have no collaborations with Coca-Cola. I'm not saying this to try and get work with Coca-Cola, far from it. I'm just saying, again, Coca-Cola and corporations became a soft target for environmental companies. The, the legal teams for likes of Coca-Cola knows that it's you can't really argue, I guess, with the environmental world. Of course, they'll cancel you or whatever it may be. So it's easier to pay money. When you, when you get called out, it's easy to pay money again. Like And of course, the money that's been paid to some of these entities don't collect plastic. Yeah. They don't do anything in their ocean. So the money that's gone into these organizations, again, is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Again, like and kind of, it's kind of, if anything, like, you know, there's just another form of extorting money from, from corporations. So in part of your message, like when you talk to, let's say you gave the example of going to a Home Depot and saying, you know, we'll offset part of your plastic, but you're talking about giving it license to use the plastic. Like, is there a conversation to reduce the use of the plastic in itself in addition to that so that you're not dealing with it down the road? (laughs) Of, of course. And, you know, there's, let's, let's be real about a few things, right? First of all, the, the problem, like, you know, there with plastic waste in the U.S., 
it's not really that big of a problem. Plastic, for the most part, when it makes its way into a landfill, kind of stays there. Our landfills are well, uh, well designed. You know, a lot of architecture goes into the landfills. That's not the case over here and other countries like this. Likes of places like this, the, the waste management, the landfill is built on the side of the river. And of course, once, once the plastic gets too high, it's bulldozed into the river or it's burnt. That's what happens here. It happens in India, it happens in Africa, it happens in multiple locations. In the US, like, you know, that we don't have that. Again, am I a fan of plastic? Of course not. I deal with it every day. I'm up to my waist in it some days. Of course, and we're looking for solutions like how to remove it from the ocean. But I'm saying, like, you know, again, plastic is not the problem. If you look with the last couple of years through the pandemic, again, and look at look at hospitals, healthcare, healthcare as a whole, without plastic, we'd be we'd be in serious, we'd be in serious trouble. Must we reduce our use of the plastic? Of course. Must we come up with alternative plastic? Of course. But we must be real about it. Again, like you know, there we ban plastic, single-use plastic bags. And of course, people applauded it. And I remember at the time, and I said, I, I, I voted against it. And people in the environmental space, they were, they were shocked because I think I was the only CEO of any environmental company that said, I said, I think this is a mistake. And people asked me at the time why. And I said, we don't have something to replace it. There's nothing ready to replace this. And I worry about deforestation. And sure enough, unfortunately, I was right. Again, like, you know, the deforestation increased around the world. We started producing a lot more paper products. The carbon footprint and the pollution coming from paper is three or four times greater than what it is from plastic. So again, like, you know, they're using paper as an alternative to plastic is not a solution. It's actually creating more pollution on our planet. So again, we have to be, we have to be real about it. We must come up with real solutions. Again, am I, am I in favor of, of increasing the use of plastic? No, far from it. We must reduce it. But we must have a way, again, to recycle plastic and to handle plastic. And in the West, we're fairly good. We're getting better the whole time. Where we need to, it's like, it's like the, I'll give you an example. In the European Union just announced they're going to make uh, 200 European cities um, net zero by, by 2030. It all sounds great. They're going to spend tens of billions of dollars. It's not going to move the needle globally. Uh, a quarter of 1%. It's not going to move the needle by them doing that. Again, like, it's, it's, it's a waste of time. <coughs> but, <coughs> but spending that kind of money, uh, spending that kind of money uh, globally to reduce the carbon footprint globally, of course, that will move the needle. It could move it 2 or 3 or 4 or 5%. At the end of the day, we, only, we have only one planet. We have only one ocean. Hmm. Put what whatever names you want to honor, it's only one ocean. We also have only one race of people, and that's the human race. Let's not get caught up in names, or let's not like, like leave nationalities or religion or whatever it is, separate us. There's only one race of people here, and we need to come together and come up with real solutions. And real solutions are looking at the bigger picture mm. and doing that. Looking at, like, you know, again, if the US, like, you know, there wants to reduce its, its, its carbon footprint, or if Europe or whatever wants to reduce its carbon footprint, great wonderful let's come together and come up with some real solutions not not pat each other on the back like you know they're in san antonio texas or or, or wherever right any major city in the united states and come up with this solution because we're going to reduce the carbon footprint of a particular city by four or five percent we're all in this together globally we have to come up with a global solution and that is like you know they're on a global scale reduce 
carbon footprint with real projects that actually work. And, and be careful, like, you know, there at the end of the last administration, there was $2.5 billion allocated at the end of the, uh, the Trump administration. $2.5 billion, a lot of money. That money was put forward for, again, the collection of ocean plastic and removal of plastic from the ocean. We're the largest company in the world regarding ocean plastic. We never saw a penny of it, or would I expect the World Bank at the moment is, again, after allocating $6.5 billion, again, money to do this very same thing. Nobody will see it. It goes around in circles, and with the bureaucracy within these organizations, the money leave, never leaves. Again, the money gets eaten up, writing white papers, and again, like, you know, they're trying to uh, justify, I guess, the internal spending, and the money disappears every time. Mm. So, like, you know, again, talk about real solutions. Plastic neutrality programs and programs like that, where corporations like globally can actually make a difference, that you can actually show their shareholders how we save the money. One particular company, one particular company that's coming on board with us at the moment, again, company that uses plastic, company in the United States as well. And when I spoke with them, they were using a plastic that was labeled ocean bomb plastic. And when I contacted them, I said, hey, I won't mention the company's name. Um, I said, hey, the ocean bomb plastic, where are you getting your plastic from? And they told me, uh, the company. I said, well, that company actually doesn't collect any plastic. I said, you, you know that. I said, that plastic, that company buys plastic flake and plastic pellets uh, from a, recycle, re uh, a recycling, recycling factory. They sell that on at a premium price and you're, you're buying it. I said, it's completely misleading because the plastic you're buying, again, like, you know, there is not... Um, it's not an ocean plastic. It's not a plastic that would ever end up in the ocean. The ocean-bound thing is plastic within 50 kilometers of the body of water. So that means nearly any plastic bottle within the entire United States beside the desert is pretty much ocean-bound yeah. under that. Any, any lake, stream, whatever, 50, covers everything. Um, so, so again, like, you know, there's, it's totally and utterly misleading. So to, to have a solution where corporations can offset their, their plastic footprint but do it in a way that actually makes sense, hmm. that we can show us. That company uses little over 7,000 tons of plastic a year in the production of their, their plastic products. So when I spoke to him, I said, okay. Uh, he said, what can we do together? I said, well, we can help clean the ocean. And I said, I can save you a lot of money. And he says, you can save me a lot of money and I'm gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna pay you to collect plastic. I said, correct. I said, I can, I'll show you, I said, within 10 minutes, I said, I can save your company over $7 million a year, probably closer to $10 million a year. You're going to pay to remove 7,700 7, tons of plastic from the ocean. Mm. And you, what you're doing right now, I'm going to save you between seven to $10 million. He says, I'm intrigued. Tell me how you're going to do that. He said, no problem whatsoever. So I told him how we collect our plastic how we all, with our auditing process like is, is second to none. Again, we follow every single step. It's all independently audited. You're buying plastic now at the moment. You're buying plastic at the moment for approximately $4,000 a ton. Would I be right around to say that? He says, you're absolutely right, spot on. Well, I said, I can, again, that same type of plastic, again, you're paying a premium price for it because it's this, this fake term, ocean-bound plastic. I can get you that plastic, of course, all day long for two under or a little over $2,000 a ton. So on that $2,000 a ton, 
plus like that you pay, uh, you pay to pull another 550 tons of plastic from the ocean. With that, like, you know, you have a saving of about $1.3 million per ton or per thousand ton of plastic. You'll, you'll save on that. So with that, I said about $9.1 million you can save. You can actually show your company, the companies that you supply your products to, you can so show your shareholders how you're actually saving money and you're actually helping save our planet. Versus the program you had prior to that was greenwashing. It was 100% greenwashing. And when the guy just said, he said wow, um, you know, he said, that's amazing. And when I, I sent him more information, he signed up straight away. I mean, again, we come up, we're about coming up with solutions for corporations, again, and not bankrupting them doing it. Again, a lot of solutions where you can actually save corporations' money. At the same time, remove massive amounts of plastic from the ocean. Part of, part of this discussion is really about how do we redesign the economy to create a more circular economy, right? One that is based on being sustainable for the long term and not as consumer, not not consumer, but short termism, you know, has to give way to longer term solutions. So, you know, that's a that's a great example of creating a more circular economy. Correct. Well, if you if you look at again, like you know, there the the problems again. We and we're speaking about plastic and ocean plastic. Um, the problems with plastic in our ocean, of course, like you know, is a massive problem. I really think, like you know, we need legislation in place that for all virgin plastic or plastic coming on the market, if we have a problem with plastic pollution, they have to be again not a tax because the problem with tax it's. You give money to politicians, of course, that's the last you'd ever see of it. And of course, that money gets misspent on some other project that has nothing to do with why the money was being used in the first place. But we have to, companies and the industry, especially the plastic industry and the petrochemical industry, have to come along with some real solutions. And that is like, you know, they're for every, every ton of plastic they produce, we have to remove at least a ton or two tons of plastic there from our ocean. We have to clean this up. We can't keep adding to it. So, like, you know, there's something has to change. You know, that will create its own circular economy around that. Um, again, to, to think that we can we can spend our way out of this, like with all the programs that are have to be put in place with the last with the last five or six years, none of them are working. Most of it is because of bureaucracy and the likes that's, that's constantly stopping things. And again, like, you know, they're just a mis mismanagement of funds. Um, the environmental world, like, you know, it doesn't really care. A lot of them, for the most part, they, it was estimated between now and 2050 uh, uh, that over $50 trillion was going to have to be spent to actually save our planet. They revised that number there with the last couple of weeks. And now they're saying, like, you know, there's 120 up to $200 trillion. That's a lot of money. But the way that it's being spent, I can't see it doing anything. Again, right now, there's billions and billions of dollars being spent. And the companies that actually target some plastic waste, I mean, none of them get any help. I know we're the largest in the space. We never see a thing. Um, but I see, like, you know, the other, other entities, of course, that, that have 
more of a marketing campaign than anything else. And like, you know, the money they're spending is, is mind boggling. Mm. The BBC uh, and Channel 4 did a documentary there a few weeks ago. And that was on greenwashing. Again, what I'm speaking about here and the problem, like, you know, there within, again, within the environmental space, they spoke about multiple environmental companies, US-based companies, Parley being one of them, based in New York City, massive, massive so-called NGO. They went along and they released uh, this, this marketing campaign, how they were making shoes from ocean plastic. Again, it was, wasn't true. They had to walk it back some months later after they sold 25 million pairs of shoes uh, 20 30 dollars on a premium price on each one of these shoes because they were saving the you saved the ocean by buying these shoes yeah. of course it was fake the whole thing was parlay parlay like you know were called out by the bbc um again like you know they're because of the whole greenwash they were involved in the the system that they were involved in like you know they said they were doing these collections all over the world you look on their website and they had collections everywhere everywhere even places like the maldives right they just collections but they didn't say how they were collecting it what they were doing is they were getting bottles off of five-star hotels on all these remote islands around the world, these, these tourist resorts, these five-star five, five star hotels. And they were, again, you're, you're speaking about the circular economy. They were getting this plastic that they, that they trademarked ocean plastic, and they introduced that plastic back into the circular economy, again, as an ocean-bound plastic that was coming back in. So the circular economy is broken. The system is completely broken. Yeah. It's a matter of going and restarting and restructuring it. That has to happen. And again, like, you know, there it's, uh, if we don't do that, you know, shame on us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no doubt. If uh, people want to learn more about the work that you do, do you have a website? Do you have a contact information people can follow up with you? Yeah, of course. Our website is ocean, Oceans Plural Integrity. Dot com. Um, our Facebook page is Rio Oceans RIO, Ocean, Ocean Integrity. And um, you get us on you get us on LinkedIn or um, you get us uh, or, or my our info, info at oceansintegrity.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat today and really congratulate you on, you know, making a real difference because there's a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to get there, but I appreciate but the work our, that you do. Our, our goal by the end of next year is to retrieve over a million tons of plastic a year from the ocean. Mm. That's a big number. But uh, again, like, you know, we think we can actually do a lot more than that, but that's our goal. Like, you know, there that we be up to those kind of figures that we can exceed uh, globally uh, 20,000 tons a week. Of plastic. Wow. Um, of course, like, you know, real difference at the same time, trying to stop the flow of plastic uh, with, with again, patent the technology that we have ourselves called MPED. And again, stop the plastics in the rivers before they enter into the sea. At the same time, dredge the rivers. The, the riverbeds inside these countries around the world, there's, there's three, four, five, six, seven meters of plastic. It depends on what what rivers and how, how heavy populated they, uh, the cities are, I guess, on these rivers. Mm -hmm. So to dredge all that plastic up, of course, I can neutralize it all. It's all breaking down. It's all yeah. like, you know, our ocean is becoming one big thick toxic soup. And yeah. of course, like, you know, there, if we don't do something, we're all in serious trouble. No doubt. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. And um, 
we'll have to stay in touch and uh, follow up as uh, as things progress. Thanks again, Karen.